And the Lord gives us all sorts of opportunities in our life. Sometimes we're confused and we pray for opportunities to share our faith. We pray for opportunities for ministry. But think about this. When you're given the opportunity to speak at an event or in a crowd or in even your small group, and you have the opportunity to speak your mind, you have a few minutes to share your thoughts, share your opinions. What do you use that time to say? There is only one thing which you could say that has eternal meaning. Did you know that your words can have eternal value? It depends on what you talk about. If you bother on about how nothing did nothing or how this person did something prideful or just have meager thoughts from a worldly standpoint, what has been gained? See, each opportunity is a great opportunity. Each moment you speak, as you hold the glory of God inside your heart and see that the world is waiting as creation is crying out for God to be glorified, as the ways of man are clouding the minds of the lost and holding them under clouds of darkness, you have an opportunity to tell them about the kingship of Jesus Christ. Each opportunity is a great opportunity. Welcome to an exegetical study of biblical scripture. This scripture is God's speech, God's story, written through the hands of men by his spirit, and it's all about God's glory. My name is Bryce Ferguson. Join me now as we go into the word. This is Genesis. Welcome to a time in God's Word together. If you have your Bible, please join with me and open to Genesis 24. We'll be starting today in verse 33. O Lord, our Maker, Lord of heaven and earth, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, because in heaven your will is always done. And you are sovereign over all things on the earth. But there's so much sin and brokenness and evil here on this earth. God, as your people war against sin, as we war against the flesh, please give us your strength. You said that there's nothing that we are tempted by that you are unfamiliar with because, Jesus, you walked on this earth and that you have given us 
everything that we need to stand strong against evil and instead glorify our God. Help us, O God, to glorify you because we move and we live and we breathe only by the strength that you provide, only by the power that is in your spirit. Help us, God, to live by the spirit so that thy will will be done on this earth. Put your name and your gospel on our lips. And may we be focused about the mission before us. Each day, each moment, each second. We pray this all in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. There is a servant who has gone a very long journey. There is a servant who was propelled forth because of Abraham's faith, of Abraham's covenant with the Lord in relationship. And Abraham had had some conversation. He had had some leading from the Lord that this is what he was to do. Otherwise, Abraham would not have had such a confidence and such a sure direction for his son Isaac. This leading, this confidence, this is from Abraham's relationship with the Lord. This is from the Lord leading Abraham. Abraham is not doing it on his own accord. And he said to his servant that he will send his angel before you, back in verse 7, and you shall take a wife for my son from there. He will send his angel before you. Abraham was confident in the Lord. That even when the servant questioned and said, back in verse 5, perhaps the woman may not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I then take your son back to the land from which you came? Abraham still had, when his servant acted this way, Abraham still had the confidence in the Lord about what was to transpire, about this commissioning of his servant to go, about what God was going to provide Abraham was confident. Abraham knew because of his relationship, because of the covenant, because of what God had led him through, where God had led him from, what God had called him to, he was confident that the Lord is sovereign that God is over all things at all times, in all situations, in all circumstances. Sometimes we get so tunnel-focused on one thing, on one element of our life, in one event, in one circumstance. We get so tunnel-focused that we lose sight that God is sovereign over all things at all times, in all situations, even outside of time, which we cannot fathom. God is in control. And it is this God who made a covenant with Abraham. It is this God, the only God, who called Abraham into a personal relationship with him so that he would know God. And this blessing upon Abraham is so that 
the nations of the earth would be blessed through him. That the families of the earth would be blessed through him. There is a reason that Abraham is carrying his relationship with the Lord inside of him, that he is carrying the message of God inside of him, that he is carrying God's spirit inside of him. And it is to glorify God. And it is to spread God's fame and God's message to others, to the world, to those who are before him. And this mission journey, this commission to the servant is going to be a proclamation of who God is and of God's glory. Let's pick it up in verse 33. This was after Laban, the brother of Rebekah, came back out of the house, encountered the servant also at the well. And then they brought him back to their house. Then food was set before the servant to eat, but he said, I will not eat until I have said what I have to say. And Laban said, speak on. So the servant said, I am Abraham's servant. The Lord has greatly blessed my master, and he has become great. He has given him flocks and herds, silver and gold, male servants and female servants, camels and donkeys. And Sarah, my master's wife, bore a son to my master when she was old, and to him he has given all that he has. My master made me swear, saying, You shall not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites in whose land I dwell. But you shall go to my father's house and to my clan and take a wife for my son. I said to my master, interesting that the servant notes this also in the story. Perhaps a woman will not follow me. But he said to me, the Lord before whom I have walked will send his angel with you and prosper your way. You shall take a wife for my son from my clan and from my father's house. Then you will be free from my oath when you come to my clan. And if they will not give her to you, you will be free from my oath. I came today to the spring and said, O Lord, the God of my master Abraham, if you are now prospering the way that I go, behold, I am standing by the spring of water. Let the virgin who comes out to draw water to whom I shall say, please give me a little water from your jar to drink. And he will say to me, drink, and I will draw for your camels also. Let her be the one whom the Lord has appointed for my master's son. Before I had finished speaking in my heart, behold, Rebekah came out with her water jar on her shoulder, and she went down to the spring and drew water. I said to her, please let me drink. She quickly let down her jar from her shoulder and said, drink, and I will give your camels drink also. So I drank, and she gave the camels drink also. Then I asked her, Whose daughter are you? She said, The daughter of Bethuel, Nahor's son, whom Milcah bore to him. So I put the ring on her nose and the bracelets on her arms. Then I bowed my head and worshipped the Lord and blessed the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who had led me by the right way to take the daughter of my master's kinsman for his son. Now then, if you are going to show steadfast love and faithfulness to my master, tell me. And if not, tell me. Then I may turn to the right hand 
or to the left. The servant was still focused. He had been focused from the beginning. Once he was on the journey, he was focused. He was determined. He was motivated. And we talked about again last week how his focus was on God. That he was seeking success from this journey from God not on his own. He was there at the well. He had arrived in the town or the towns of his people, of Abraham's people, rather, Abraham's family. And he's at the well with the camels, and he's seeking the Lord in prayer that God may guide him and lead him to have success in this journey because the servant knows it's not just about not just about fulfilling what Abraham asked him to do, though that was very important, of course. It starts by saying, verse 1 in chapter 24, Abraham was old, well advanced in years, that this covenant that the Lord made with Abraham must be carried on by Isaac. And how is Isaac to carry on the covenant unless he has children? And how is he to have children unless he is married? See. This is all very important to the servant who is the head of the household. Among the servants. And Abraham was very wealthy. He had a big household. He had many people in his household. He was focused. They bring him in. Rebecca brings him in. Laban brings him in. The family is there and they want to hear his story, but first they provide food for him to eat. He's just finished a journey across the wilderness. Rebecca has given him water at the well, and they set food before him to eat. And he must have been famished, but what does he do? What does he say? Verse 33, I will not eat until I have said what I have to say. Again, the servant is focused. He says, I am Abraham's servant. The Lord has greatly blessed my master. Obviously, he's been commissioned with other men and 10 camels to cross the desert to find a wife for Isaac. And Sarah, my master's wife, bore a son to my master when she was old. And to him, he has given all that he has. All of this wealth, all of these possessions will be Isaac's. My master made me swear. Now he is accounting to the words of the commission. And Rebecca is hearing this for the first time, along with her family. You shall not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites in whose land I dwell. And we talked about that before. But you shall go to my father's house and to my clan and take a wife for my son. I said to my master, verse 39, perhaps a woman will not follow me. He even accounts for his doubts in the mission. He, he even accounts in his testimony to this family of Rebecca's that he had doubts, that he didn't have the confidence that Abraham had. But he says, but Abraham said to me, the Lord before whom I have watched will send his angel with you and prosper your way. 
He is testifying to the family of Rebekah about Abraham's covenant with the Lord and Abraham's confidence, his great faith in the Lord. You shall take a wife for my son from my clan and from my father's house. Abraham is focused. Abraham knows what needs to be done. Abraham is not going to have any part of the Canaanites with regard to the covenant, family, generational relationship with the Lord. No, but that is where they are dwelling. It is in the land of Canaan. It is among the Canaanites. But Abraham is focused. Abraham believes the covenant that the Lord made with him. And that he is going to give this land into his descendants' hands. Not yet, but it will be given into his hands. But the people that will dwell in the land of Canaan, who are the descendants of Abraham and a covenant relationship with the Lord, are not going to be like the nation of the Canaanites or the tribe of the Canaanites. They're not going to be like the people of the Canaanites with the values of the Canaanites in pagan worship or in the idea that there is no God. Atheist. No. It's radically different. Abraham knows that his son, who has faith in God, we know that Isaac walks up with Abraham onto the mountain to worship God, to give an offering unto God. I don't know that Isaac knew, at least for most of that time, that he was going to be strapped onto the wood and that he might be the sacrifice. But he was familiar with the worship of God. This was a practice of their household. This was something that they did regularly because they were in relationship with God. Relationship is regularity. It is constant. It is consistent. It is a relationship. And when his family, when his descendants, Abraham, then Isaac, then Jacob, in, would take possession of this land, would live in this land, would dwell in this land and have many more descendants different than the Canaanites, different than all these tribes that inhabited the neighboring areas of the Canaanites, they were going to be led their values, their heart's desires were going to be led by God Almighty. Therefore, it would be a completely different modus operandi. What filled their minds, what filled their hearts, how they lived their lives, their lifestyle, what was in their speech, what they did with their hands, what they did with their bodies, their hope set before them would be radically different than the Canaanites. Radically different. Therefore, Abraham was focused and the Lord was leading him to not get a wife for Isaac from the Canaanites, but to go. And the servant went. 
and the servant testified to Rebekah's family who Abraham was about his faith in God and that God was leading the servant to this place. Verse 42. He's telling the family, I came today, I, the servant, came today to the spring and said, he is testifying now his faith in the Lord. Abraham's faith in the Lord a few verses ago, now his faith in the Lord. Oh, Lord, the God of my master, Abraham, if now you are prospering the way that I go, behold, I am standing by the spring of water. Let the virgin who comes out to draw water. He is articulating to the letter what he had prayed and asked God to do as a visible sign that he would find the one that the Lord has appointed to be the wife for Isaac. So that it was crystal clear to the servant. This was an extraordinary ask, and this is how he says it. To whom I shall say, please give me a little water from your jar to drink, and who will say to me, drink, and not just drink, drink, and I will draw for your camels also. Let her be the one whom the Lord has appointed for my master's son. Not let her be the one that I deem, the servant, that I deem, no. Let her be the one whom the Lord has appointed. And if the Lord brings this to pass in the way that the servant had asked God to bring it to pass, then he knows this is a sure and absolute sign from God. This is the one. The servant even includes at the start of verse 45, before I had finished speaking, <laughs> timing. Sometimes God acts in the moment. Before I had finished speaking in my heart, behold, Rebecca came out with her water jar on her shoulder, and she went down to the spring and drew water. I said to her, please let me drink. He's giving the order of events again. He's giving the full order of events, almost to the letter, and I'll talk about that in a second, but He's giving the full accounting of what happened at the well. Everything from his prayer before Rebecca walked out to before he had finished speaking when she did walk out and then the conversation that happened. I said to her, please let me drink. She quickly, he also includes that, quickly let down her jar from her shoulder and said, drink and I will give your camels drink also. So I drank, and she gave the camel's drink also. He's testifying to, yes, the order of events, yes, the conversation that they had, and yes, her extraordinary generosity and hospitality to her family. He's telling them. Then I asked her, whose daughter are you? And she said, the daughter of Bethuel, Nahor's son, whom Milka bore to him. So I put the ring on her nose and the bracelet on her arms. The servant is saying, this ring, these bracelets that she is wearing, we read about that last week, she is wearing them. And these are items, these are jewelry that the servant had brought. He is the one who put them on her as a sign 
and she is wearing them as a sign. She received them as a sign. Then what did he do? He accounts for this also, verse 48. Then I bowed my head and worshiped the Lord and blessed the Lord. The servant was focused. The servant was looking. The servant was seeing. And he was witnessing himself, the mighty hand of God. He was witnessing that God is working. He had prayed that God would lead. He was praying that God would provide. He knows that God can provide and that God will provide and that God always takes care of his children. This is an interesting mission. This is an interesting commission. This doesn't happen every day. It definitely doesn't happen modern day, present day. That one, we have servants, and two, that we send them on a very long journey to find, essentially to be, not to be a matchmaker, but go out and find the match for our offspring. This is a very unique situation. And the servant is focused on God. I bowed my head and worshiped the Lord and blessed the Lord, the God of my master, Abraham, who had led me. The Lord had led me by the right way. He knows that God is good. He knows that God is a provider. He has been led right here to the well. He prays and he asks the Lord for someone very specific by a specific order of events, and God provides exactly as the servant had prayed by the right way to take the daughter of my master's kinsman for his son. Now then, verse 49, if you are going to show steadfast love and faithfulness to my master, tell me. Look at this for a second. Go back a few verses. When the servant first prayed at the well, earlier in chapter 24, he is praying to God. This is before Rebecca comes out. Verse 12, the servant said, O Lord, God of my master Abraham, please grant me success today and show steadfast love to my master Abraham. He prays again after Rebecca has come out after the issue with the water and the camels. Verse 26. The man bowed his head and worshiped the Lord, verse 27, and said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his steadfast love and his faithfulness toward my master. And now back to the verse we just read. Verse 49. Now then, he is speaking to the family of Rebekah. If you are going to show steadfast love and faithfulness to my master, tell me. And if not, tell me that I may turn to the right hand or to the left. There was a clause 
precipitated by the doubts of the servant originally in his first conversation with Abraham, in the commissioning conversation that Abraham called to his servant to come to him and to swear to him on this commission, on this journey, on this mission before him. The servant said, perhaps she will not come with me. And what does he say? Let's go back to chapter 24, verse 8. Abraham says, okay, if the woman is not willing to follow you, if the woman, so meaning that he would find her, that he would go to her, that he would have the conversation with her, that he would present before her the commissioning. If the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be free from this oath of mine. Only you must not take my son back there. The servant says it again at the first part of his conversation with the family as well. Then you will be free from my oath when you come to my clan. He says, this is verse 41. And if they will not give her to you, you will be free from my oath. Verse 49, now then, if you are going to show steadfast love and faithfulness to my master, tell me. And if not, tell me. The servant is connecting. This is a God thing. God is sovereign over all things. God is the one who has made the covenant with Abraham. Abraham didn't go to God and make a covenant. God brought it to Abraham. God brought it to his descendants. God made the covenant of circumcision with every man in Abraham's household. That was over 300, I believe, including the servants, including this servant. He was part of that covenant with the Lord, with the family of Abraham. God was doing something powerful here and his glory was on display for everyone abraham was confident in it the servant had faith but he had doubts and then as he went along he was seeking god in it because he was testifying to god's greatness and to god's glory and the fact that god is sovereign over all things and that if he is to have success in this it would be from the lord it would only be by the Lord. And now he is testifying to Rebecca's family and to Rebecca. The entire commissioning and also the steadfast love of the Lord, which his people know endures forever. The steadfast love and the faithfulness. Tell me, and if not, tell me. He wanted to be obedient to the letter that Abraham had spoken to him. He was seeking God for success. He was following God through the wilderness back to the land of the kinsmen of Abraham. And he also wanted to be obedient to Abraham. So he presented it 
to the family. If you're going to show steadfast love and faithfulness, tell me, and she will come with me and we will go back to the land of Canaan in Hebron to Abraham for Isaac. And if not, tell me. If you're flipping back and forth in your Bible and you noticed that the servants accounting in verses 42 through 44 are not exactly the same verses from 12 through 14, and let's read this, then you would be correct. Let's read the other account first. Let's read the first account, verses 12 through 14. The servant is praying at the well. Again, this is before Rebecca. And he said, O Lord God of my master, Abraham, please grant me success today and show steadfast love to my master, Abraham. Behold, I'm standing by the spring of water and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Let the young woman to whom I shall say, please let down your jar that I may drink. And who shall say, drink, and I will water your camels. Let her be the one whom you have appointed for your servant, Isaac. By this I shall know that you have shown steadfast love to my master. Now flip forward back to verse 42. He is telling the family, I came today to the spring and said, O Lord, the God of my master Abraham, if now you are prospering the way that I go, behold, I am standing by the spring of water. But the virgin who comes out to draw water to whom I shall say, please give me a little water from your jar to drink, and who will say to me, drink, and I will draw for your camels also. Let her be the one, excuse me, let her be the woman whom the Lord has appointed for my master's son. While there are a few words, perhaps a phrase, that's a little bit different than the original accounting, he is faithful in what he is conveying. He says, if now you are prospering the way that I go, the heart of the matter in what he is seeking from the Lord is the same. Originally, he's praying for success. And here it says, if now you're prospering the way that I go, he says, young woman, he says, virgin, the same. So. If you were thinking that, I just want to close those two together and say, this is the same accounting. Including that the woman would be appointed by the Lord. That part is the same. He is making very sure that to her family, he is testifying to the greatness of God to the provision of God, to the kingship of God, to the shepherd heart of God, that God would lead and guide his people and protect his people. And this is all that is, yes, has just happened, but this is also the heart and the, the, the present on the table for Rebecca. This is the invitation for what awaits for Rebecca. If she says yes, if her family 
says yes. And this is something absolutely incredible. Why? Because God is leading it. Because God has made a covenant with this family. And through their family line, all the families of the earth will be blessed. This is an incredible opportunity. So let's step back for a second. When there is something before us today, each one of us, when there is something either before us or something presented to us, or perhaps we're, we're just examining our lives, where do we go? Do we start brainstorming and we grab a, a sketchbook or we grab lined paper and we just start sketching out thoughts and ideas and we and we start making plans? Or do we go to the Lord first? Do we go to the Lord most? Are we seeking God in relationship? Because the Lord is looking for his children to seek him in relationship. This is the, this is the essence of the covenant. That it would be a walking relationship. Either as you two walk side by side down a road, you go for a walk, you go for a journey, you go for a marathon, you go for a marathon every single day, in that it is an unending relationship together. This is what God is seeking for his people. And the covenant is illustrative of the relationship that he wants to have with each one of us. And God is always reaching out and God is always seeking. Are we seeking him? Are we seeking the Lord? So whatever it is in your life, whether it's a big event, whether it's a circumstance that you're walking through, are we holding at the forefront of our minds the word of God? which testifies to his glory and testifies to his greatness and testifies to his sovereignty. And this is a reminder for us each day that God is in control. That God is over and above all things, not just the little things in your life. He's over your entire life. He's over every nation and every ruler and all of the earth. And all of the planets and all of the universes, God is over everything. And as we remember that, then it, it becomes easier or at least more focused to seek the Lord in faith. We don't need to go inside of our own minds to find solutions. Now, perhaps the Lord will speak to you. Perhaps the Lord will give you the ideas. Perhaps the Lord will give you the solutions. But every good thing is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. It says in the book of James. So the focus of our mind and of our heart must be to seek the Lord. Because if we are seeking anything other than the Lord, then we are seeking something that has no value. 
We are seeking something that has no eternal value. And then, from seeking him, if God has called you to something, if you do not feel that God has called you to something, we can pick up his word and we can read the universal things for each one of us that God has called for all of us. To worship the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. In Matthew 28, to go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything Jesus says, I've commanded you. And Jesus says, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. He will be with us always. We do not have to think for a second that God is not with us. Sometimes when we turn to the side, instead of following him, we get distracted, and so our mind starts dwelling on things other than God, which are futile and which are fatal, and therefore we start getting depressed or we start losing sight that God is our constant provider, that God constantly has our good for us, that God has the best for us, and that when we seek Him, he will provide everything for his children. So we ought be in his word daily. So we ought be seeking the Lord daily. And he will keep us in that relationship. God is ready for an always relationship with you. In all day, every day, God never gets tired in relationship. And he wants to have this incredible relationship with you. This close, really close, really close relationship with you. So your confidence can be in him. So your confidence doesn't need to be in anything else which is futile and which turns out to be fatal. Because the things of this world will not last. The things of this world have no eternal value except for God who has eternal value because he is eternal and the people that he has made in his image and likeness, which are also eternal. But with our focus on the Lord, then we are equipped to love our neighbor as ourselves. And lastly, the Great Commission. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, Jesus says in Matthew 28. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. We disciple people when we proclaim God's truth to them. To other Christians, to people in the church, to people outside the church, whatever it is, to people of no faith. Now, they might find it harder to receive Christ and then hence become a disciple, which is a believer and a God follower. But we also proclaim God's truth to them so that they would repent of unbelief and that they would believe in Christ. 
and then the work is set before us. Because it does not end at the moment that a person converts, that gives up their old ways, their old paganness, and receives Christ. No, that's just the beginning. And relationship with other people is just beginning at that moment. Because then you live in constant relationship with them along the way, and you have a walking type relationship with them. Because discipleship takes a long time. It's not a one and done type of thing. This great commission before us to make disciples is a great commission. It's an incredibly large and big ask on the part of Jesus Christ to his followers. And this is our joy to follow in. This is our joy to obey because this is what God does. God proclaims his glory to the world. God proclaims his glory to the universe. God calls his children to proclaim his glory. And as he calls us to relationship with him, he calls us to relationship with others. Part of the reason that we have such a long lifetime that some would say on this earth, however long that would be for each one of us, which is different, but the average lifetime, others would say it's a short period of time. But regardless, we have many, many, many days and weeks and months that we live and this is so that we would glorify God to God. And that we would glorify God in proclaiming God's glory to other people that we are in relationship with on a regular basis. Because even before you come to Christ, you struggle with sin. You may not know it's sin. You may not call it sin, but you do. And then at the moment of conversion, you leave your old life behind God welcomes you into his family. You're fully adopted. You're fully secured because you have given up your whole life to him. And therefore, you are in the family of God. But we all still struggle with sin. We're all still trying to put sin to death and give glory to God. And in this great paradox where these two dwell together, a person rescued forever by Christ and sealed with God's name for eternity and still living on earth and having to deal with sin and being around evil and the effects of evil and the works of evil. We need each other. God said in Genesis 2, it's not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. And we need each other. Because we're all always going through something and we all always need someone else to be an encouragement and to be a brother and to be a sister in the Lord. What do I need most when I'm struggling? I need you to proclaim God's glory to me. That is the biggest encouragement to me is that 
so I would not focus on myself, so I would not focus on my problems, but I would turn and I would see the one who is perfect. So that I would turn and I would see God's glory, God's magnificence, God's sovereignty over all things, that I would see my Savior dwelling in holiness and purity, reigning over all things. And that's what you need the most, too. Practical help, yes. Emotional help, yes. But we need to reorient ourselves to the glory of God. When we're distracted, when we're lazy, when we're dealing with sin, whatever it is, we need God. And we need God's glory, and we need images of God, which are you and I, proclaiming to each other God's glory. It's a whole environment among the community of God about God's glory. And then we fill the earth with God's glory because we all embrace the priority of the glory of God. Let's pray. The one who is perfect. The one who is holy and set apart. O oh Lord, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your glory is why we were created. Your glory is why we live on this earth, so that we would see that you are our provider, that you are the one who raises the sun in the morning, that you are the one who puts the sun to bed at night and brings the stars out in all of their grandeur that you are the one who rotates the earth and rotates the planets and sustains our breath at every moment. You, God, the one who is worthy, the one who is holy, the one who did not leave us on our own, but Jesus Christ, you came to earth for us. Give us strength, God, to glorify you and to embrace your commission for your glory. Amen. Join me next time as we continue in Genesis 24.